opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You may be seated. I'm not that tall, Jeff. But the gentleman coming behind me is a little bit taller. But uh, again, just uh, wanted to say just a couple of announcements. If there's kids here, I believe, is, can anybody smell popcorn? I can't. My wife said there's popcorn. So if there is, I think that's not for us older folk. It's for the kids. So kids, I think you can make your way up. And uh, there's going to be some time learning together, having some stories and Obviously, having some popcorn as well. Also, I forgot to mention, next, there, everyone should have a bulletin or an insert like this in their mailboxes. Uh, Ray and Allison Milner are having a silent auction next Saturday. And it's, it's, it's intended to raise some funds for um, a program uh, to help along their son, um, Elijah. In his, uh, he's got autism, as we know. And... Uh, as parents, they really want to try and provide the most help they can for their son. And financially, it's extremely expensive for any of us, but for them especially. So they're having a silent auction next Saturday. So the details are on this, uh, this insert that's in your mail slot. So if that interests you, if there's a way in which you, know, you can help out, if you feel led to do that, I'm sure they would appreciate that. So, and I'd just like to call. Now, I'm going to come on up. Um, Ziggaroo, I used to call him Ziggaroo back in the day, but that's many years ago, yeah. But uh, I had to say it, I just had to say it. But uh, we had the privilege of having Pastor Zig marry, marry us over 33 years ago. And when he comes and shares, he shared with us in June, um, I believe, or late May. Uh, it's, it's just like home. That's, that's how we feel, and for those of us that have been in the church family for many years, it just feels, it feels right and uh, it's just a privilege to have you. And you know when they call ex-presidents, President Reagan or President Bush, it's like you forever have that title. Well, you forever obviously have the title of Pastor Zig. And uh, we appreciate you. Not Ziggaroo. Not Ziggaroo, but Pastor Zig. But welcome and share the word of God with us. Thank you. It's always good to be here, and uh, looking forward to just sharing from one of my favorite passages in the New Testament in Luke chapter 10. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. It's so important for us to be here, to be among the people who recognize that you are the name above every name. You are above all, and we just uh, consider it a privilege to be able to gather like this and to listen to what you have to say to us. We just thank you for this in your precious name. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's a, 
lot of TV shows I simply can't watch because they're just too irritating. There's that one called Downtown Abbey, which is based on an extremely faulty premise. It's not an abbey, and it isn't located anywhere near downtown, so I refuse to watch it. But the show that I hate the most is actually based on an experience my wife and I had when we were touring Europe back in 1979. Now, this is only a theory, but it's a good one. Our tour bus dropped us off at the Louvre Museum in Paris, and we were told we had a half an hour. Now, half an hour is okay when you're at the drive-through in Tim Hortons. But the Louvre Museum has 70,000 masterpieces spread out over 650,000 square feet of gallery space. And we had half an hour. If you do the math, that works out to 2,333 artworks per minute. Well, we realized uh, we were out of our depth, so we only had time to maybe find one masterpiece. But where was the Mona Lisa? So we started to walk very quickly through the museum, asking people, Ue la Mona Lisa? What does gauche mean? Is that left or right? What are they saying? And as we walked, we realized where time is running out, 20 minutes left, we started to jog. 10 minutes left, we started to run. Faster and faster past priceless works of art until we found the smallest painting in the Louvre. That's the Mona Lisa? Okay, let's go. The bus is waiting. Now, I'm sure that museum authorities must have been absolutely outraged at our behavior. Those crazy Americans. Because they had, this is something that had never happened before. You don't run through a museum. You walk slowly. You pause. You reflect. A museum is a place for contemplation. This is not laser tag. It's not a paintball park. Terrible to see this in a museum. But as luck would have it, I believe there was a TV producer there that day, and our offensive conduct gave him an idea for a TV series that eventually became The Amazing Race. Because that's all they do. They run past the most interesting scenery in the world to avoid elimination so they can rush past even more amazing sights the next day. Did you see the Eiffel Tower? Yeah, out of the corner of my eye. Now, I can't prove that this is where that idea originated. It's only a theory, but it is a good one. And honestly, I cannot watch that show. It drives me crazy because I'm a photographer. I would stop at the first cathedral or the first castle and spend at least a couple of hours taking shots. I'd be eliminated on the first day. As a photographer, I could never be part of an amazing race. And as a Christian, I can't either. And yet there's so many times that we rush past some of the most incredible opportunities that could enrich our relationship with God, but we hardly notice them. Because we're too busy chasing rabbits. I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. The Christian life is not intended to be an amazing race. 
Instead, it's about amazing grace. And there's a difference. And I want to show you what that difference looks like in this passage that we just had read for us. It says in Luke 10, verse 38, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. It was Martha's idea. And Martha was a very impressive woman because Jesus was very controversial. Not many people would open their homes to him. That's why he said, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. For most of his ministry, Jesus was homeless. But Martha invited him into her home, even though doing so would make her life a lot more complicated. Because there were those other additional 12 disciples who looked like they hadn't had a decent meal in over a week. And Martha had no warning. This was an interruption of her regularly scheduled life. And Jesus hadn't sent her a text saying, we'll be in town tomorrow, could we stop by your house? This was unexpected. She didn't even have time to shop. But Martha was ready for any challenge. It says she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. In that culture, hospitality was a very significant event. You didn't go to the food bank and come up with some macaroni and cheese. No, you went and you got the fatted calf. You put on a feast because only your best was good enough when you're exercising that kind of hospitality. No wonder Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Can you see her in the kitchen? tenderizing the Wiener schnitzel with a mallet the size of a sledgehammer. And with the other hand, she's stirring soup in a barrel with a spoon the size of an oar, hurrying to put together the ingredients for an all-you-can-eat hippopotamus smorgasbord. And it was complicated because one was a vegan, another was gluten-free, a couple of them were lactose intolerant, there was peanut allergies, this was turning out to be the busiest day of Martha's life. Welcome to another episode of The Amazing Race. Has that ever happened to you? You, you plan for an ordinary day and all of a sudden things really accelerate and you get overwhelmed. Do you ever find that Jesus actually makes your life a lot more complicated? You have enough things to worry about. How do you add all this Christian stuff to it? Seek first his kingdom. Store up treasures in heaven. Bear one another's burdens, hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't have time for all this extra stuff. Love your enemies. Overcome evil with good. When Jesus shows up, life gets so much more complicated. If you thought you were busy before, oh my goodness, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And the worst part was that there was no one to help her. She came to the Lord and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. There's a flag on the play, major penalty dereliction of duty. 
You see, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Are you kidding? You're supposed to be in the kitchen. So you could also be distracted by the preparations that had to be made. This was a violation of the first magnitude. I think it's pretty obvious most of us would agree with Martha. Come on, Mary, you should be ashamed of yourself. Get into the race. We're on Martha's side because that's how society is supposed to function. We applaud hard work. We reward exceptional effort. There is no evangelical church that could survive without people like Martha, our lady of perpetual motion. As a pastor, I have always appreciated and valued people like her. But here's where the plot takes an unexpected turn. Because Jesus is about to give us his ruling on the violation. And he never quite sees things the way we do. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 reminds us that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus does not see things like we do. That's one of the ways I can figure out if I'm talking to him or not, because he often tells me things I don't want to hear. I know it's the Lord. Jesus does not think like we do. His ways are different, so prepare to be shocked. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Ouch. Who saw that coming? The original penalty has been overturned by the replay official. From Christ's perspective, Martha, Martha was out of bounds. You know why he called her Martha, Martha? The reason she had two names is because she could do the work of two ordinary women. In fact, she could also do the worrying of two ordinary human beings. Martha, Martha had all the symptoms of obsessive compulsive behavior. She was distracted. She was worried and upset. She was getting angry. She was even questioning God's love. Lord, don't you care? Martha had got to the point where she was actually rebuking and reprimanding Jesus, trying to straighten him out. Tell her to help me. The amazing race had just become hell's kitchen. These are the obvious symptoms of spiritual malpractice. Have we ever been there? Sure, we, we have the best of intentions. We want to serve God. All we ask for is a little help. There have been many times when I've attempted to do heroic things for God, but in the process I got overwhelmed. And I became upset and started feeling sorry for myself. God, why don't you help me? Eventually, I realized that I must be on the wrong track. 
I needed to make a mid-course correction. But Lord, I thought you wanted a big meal. Don't you need to eat? Martha, Martha, only one thing is needed. Now that is amazing. In this situation, only one thing was needed. See, in the amazing race, we have so much to do today. And if we don't get all of this done, it'll be the end of the world as we know it. The natives will get restless. What will people think? But in amazing grace, only one thing is needed. You see, Jesus does not complicate our lives. He simplifies them. Only one thing? You can't get simpler than that. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That's interesting. On this very, very busy day, Mary made a choice not to get worried and upset and distracted. Did you know that you always have a choice? That's why Jesus calls you to come. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, except if you're really busy. Are you an exceptional Christian? I am. I can find an exception for almost everything God wants me to do. For example, I know that God wants me to forgive as he has forgiven me, except if I'm really, really angry. If I look back, there's only been three times when God has accepted one of my excuses to do things my way rather than his way. Only three times. How successful are you at making excuses? Not three times. Zero times. God has not once accepted my excuse. And sometimes that's very frustrating. But it reminds me that we always have a choice. On our busiest day, we can choose to come. When we are overwhelmed, we can choose to come. In fact, that's when it's even more important to do that. You see, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who think there are two kinds of people, and there are those who don't. But if there are two kinds of people, we might divide them this way. There are those who are driven they want to control their lives. They've got specific goals in mind. And sometimes they'll manipulate other people to get to that objective. They are driven. And there are other people who are called. They have no control. They have no idea what's going to happen next. Because they're dependent on the Lord calling them. Are you driven or are you called? We have a choice. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, Mary knew that kitchen duty was extremely important. But she chose on this particular day 
to do something even more important. Jesus was in her home. She had the opportunity to listen to him. She could never go to the synagogue and listen to the rabbis because women didn't have that privilege. But here was Jesus allowing her to come just as the disciples came and listen to him. Can you imagine what that would would have been like? Now she was not waiting to see a miracle. She was listening to the words of life. And it doesn't get any better than that. In John chapter 6, we have an important turning point in the ministry of Christ. The chapter begins with a miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. And the people are so impressed with this miracle that they want to force him to be their king. But then Jesus starts sharing his thoughts, which were not like their thoughts. And the more he talks, the more they became offended. And finally, they just left. In fact, so many of them left that Jesus had to ask his own disciples, are you going to leave as well? And Peter was a spokesman. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the miracles. You have the signs and the wonders. You are so entertaining. Where else could we go? What did Peter say? He said, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It's great when there's a miracle, but that's not why we follow him. We follow him because of his words. And if that's true, then listening has to be our highest priority. If we're in this because of his words, then the most important thing that we can do is to listen. Because it is only by listening that we learn to understand the thoughts that are higher than our thoughts as the heavens are higher than the earth. It is only by listening that we learn to understand. And there's nothing more important than that. And that's why in John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus told his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You see the difference? You know, having a servant must be just an incredible experience. Just think about it. Just imagine they could make your meals and wash your dishes and do laundry. They could go to the bottle depot and wait for an hour. They could clean your windows. They could watch your kids. They could alphabetize your coupons and go shopping. Having a servant would be absolutely great. In fact, there's only one thing greater, and that's having a friend. Of course, friends are much less productive. At least mine are. My friends don't wash my dishes, they don't cut my lawn, they don't help me stain my fence, they don't weed my garden, they don't wash my car, they're never around when there's work to be done. What good are they? Well, we value our friends for, not because of what they do, but because of who they are. They are the only people 
in the whole world who understand us. They know what's in our heart. And that's why Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know. Does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. Serving God is very important. The only problem is that we can get so busy serving that we don't take the time to listen. And if we don't listen, we will not understand and we will not know our master's business. Martha did not know her master's business. She had miscalculated his expectations and spent all of her effort getting worried and upset instead. A servant is absolutely great, but they have one flaw. They don't understand. Jesus wants something more than that. He wants your friendship. A friend is somebody you can talk to about anything because they'll understand. And that's exactly what Jesus is looking for. That's the one thing that's needed. And Mary figured that out. I call you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. Have you experienced that? Are you that kind of a friend? Can Jesus reveal his heart to you? Can he tell you anything? Or are you just too busy? You can have that kind of a relationship. But you have to make a choice. And let me warn you that having Jesus as a friend at that level is very, very expensive. It will cost you and you will pay for it in the most valuable currency you have, your time. It takes time to cultivate a meaningful friendship, more time than you have available. That's why he has to interrupt you. When Jesus came into that village, he interrupted this home. They were thinking about spending their day in some other way. This was a total interruption. But that's what Jesus has to do because we, we're just too busy, so he has to interrupt us. Does Jesus have to make an appointment with you? Or can he interrupt you even when it's inconvenient? If you have a really close friend, you know that they can interrupt you anytime they want. They even know where you hide the key. They can come in and they'll go right for the fridge. That's what friends are like. Are you willing to make the choice between the amazing race or amazing grace? Are you willing to choose the one thing that's needed and having chosen it, do not let anyone take it away from you? See, that's very important. Because if you make friendship with Jesus your number one priority, you're going to disappoint some people. They're, they were counting on you. They expected more. They'll criticize you. And if you care what, about what other people think, 
it could sabotage this friendship. But if pleasing God is more important than pleasing people, then you will make this choice and you will not let anyone, anyone at all, take it away from you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are actually willing to develop this kind of relationship with us. Lord, to, to want to call us friends is just mind-boggling. Why would you do that? What is it about us that makes you want to spend all your time with us, to be with us and walk with us through every moment of the day? Lord, help us to cultivate an awareness of your presence no matter what we're doing. And help us always to listen to the thoughts that are higher than our thoughts and be willing to be interrupted and be willing to change because you do see things differently. It takes a whole lifetime to develop that kind of relationship. And we have the time available to us for the duration of our time here on earth to make that our number one priority to do the one thing that's needed. Knowing that if we seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, that all these things will be added unto us as well. Father, we thank you for calling us so that we don't have to live driven lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.